Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time. Of course, we emphasize the Bible as being the standard on this program. Why is that? Well, we have a passage like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So the scripture's inspired of God. God's the actual author. He just uses the writers like Moses and David and Paul and Peter, kind of like an executive for a company would use a secretary. The executive is the real author of the letter. The secretary just types it. God is the real author of the Bible. That's The men are just just writing down the words he told them to say, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. And so God is the real author, and that's the reason the Bible is inerrant, because it's written by God, not by men. And it's profitable for doctrine. If you wanted to find out what the right answer is on any of doctrine, we talk about doctrine on this program a lot. What does the Bible say about women preachers or gay marriage or baptism? Well, the, where you go to find the answers is the Scripture. It's profitable for doctrine, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. We mentioned this passage last week because we're talking about the authority and sufficiency of God's word. And that last part of that helps us to see that the scriptures are sufficient, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. The Bible is going to give us everything we need to know religiously. Everything we need to know to please God, we'll find it in the Bible. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. Now, I thought we'd talk about the next, next, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's, it's kind of like the difference, except multiplied by a million, the difference between, if you wanted to know about the theory of relativity, would it be better to ask Einstein, or would it be better to ask a roach? Uh, this is just, that's supposed to be funny, not very funny, I'm sure. But, of course, Einstein's going to know a lot more than a roach would about the theory of relativity, right? Well, God is infinitely wiser than Einstein, smarter than Einstein. So his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. It's, most of the time, when we see what God tells us to do, we see a lot of sense in it. But even if we don't, even if we don't agree with God, what he's telling us, or even if we don't understand why, those probably are going to be the rare occasions, but even if we don't, we have to learn to trust God. He's so much wiser than us about anything, but especially he's the one that defines for us what the right religion is, what how Christianity should be operated. So we don't practice Christianity the way we want to practice it. We practice it the way um, he, he tells us to. If you have a Bible question, or comment, the lines are wide open. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. You know, a similar verse to that is Proverbs 14, verse 12. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. What seems right to us may not be right. Only God's word can tell us what is actually right. For example, we talk about, we get calls about the issue of women preachers a lot on this program. Here's what one of the verses that we turn to a lot. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. 
Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Three times there, he makes it clear. Women are not to be speaking in the church. This practice that probably three-fourths of the congregations across America and Canada allow women preaching from the pulpit, three times it's saying it's wrong. It says, let your women keep silence in the churches. It's not permitted unto them to speak. It's a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, here's why I brought that up. I'm, I'm trying to illustrate a point I want to make from Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If it were up to me, I'd allow women to preach. I mean, they're just as smart as men. They can teach just as well as men. So if it were up to me, I would allow women to preach from the pulpit. But the question is, is it up to me? It's not up to me. It's up to God. Because God defines for us how we should practice Christianity. He gave us the scriptures and it's supposed to def define for us what the right doctrine is. And here's a passage that we just read that shows clearly that women shouldn't be preaching. And so even though if it were up to me, I would allow it, I teach against it because it's up to God. He decides what's right and wrong, not me. So when you call the program and you ask a Bible question, make a Bible comment. Anything is fair as long as it uh, pertains to the Bible. But we do have this one rule. The Bible, God's word, is going to be the thing, the standard that decides what the answer to the question is or whatever the issue is. There may be a way that I think is right, but that may be a way that seems right to me, but the end there are the ways of death. I repeat, only God's word can tell us what is actually right. Here's another interesting passage. 1 Corinthians 14, 37. And this happens to come about three verses after where Paul said it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Sometimes people say, well, that's just Paul talking here, not God. But he says three verses later, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. What's Paul claiming there? He's saying the things that I write are the commandments of the Lord. So it doesn't, have to be in red letters to count. Yes, everything that Jesus said while he was on earth is very, very important. But remember, right before he died, he said, I'm going to have to go, but I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into all the truth. John 16, 13. John 14, 26. He'll, he'll bring to remembrance, talking to the apostles, everything that I taught you while I was on the earth. And so if he says he's going to guide these apostles and other New Testament prophets into all the truth, that means that what they say, what they wrote later after he's dead is just as much as God's word as what's in the red letters. Paul said two or three verses after he says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. He said, the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And remember, God is already in speaking about the apostles. He already, he's already said he will guide you into all the truth through the Holy Spirit. So what Paul wrote is what God wanted him to write. And remember, he said. What I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. They're not just suggestions. They're not just man's opinions, but they're commandments of the Lord. They have to be followed. Uh, you know, a suggestion doesn't necessarily have to be followed, but a commandment does. What Paul is saying is I wrote commandments. They have to be followed. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877 Tonight, we're talking about the authority and sufficiency of God's word. The number is 
655-6755 if you would like to get in on the discussion. You know, there's an interesting passage in Genesis 37. You'll remember the story. The story is, in Genesis 37, Joseph's brothers are jealous, and they sell him into slavery. So they put that coat of many colors they have. They put tear it up a little bit or whatever, put blood all over it, and bring it to the dad and said, what do you think happened to him? And the dad concludes he must have been killed by a wild animal because there's blood all over his, his uh, coat. Joseph felt like, matter of fact, let me turn over to, to uh, Genesis 37 and let you see here what he felt like. When he, when he said, Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces, an evil beast hath devoured him, verse 33. Verse 34, and Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Jacob really felt like Joseph was dead. He thought he was. But was Joseph dead? No, he'd been sold into slavery. And his brothers had tricked his dad into thinking that he was dead by, by putting uh, a, a, a goat's blood, I think, all over that coat of many colors. So Jacob felt like Joseph was dead, but he wasn't dead. Here's the lesson I want us to see from that. In religion, and probably anything else, but we're talking about Christianity here, your feelings are not reliable. You may feel like you're saved. doesn't prove you're saved. The only way to know if you're saved is if you compared what you've done to what the Bible says to do to be saved. And if you've done what the Bible says to do to be saved, you're saved. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. Peter told believers in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So if you believe, if you've repented, if you've been baptized for the remission of sins, then you're saved. The feelings are just a result of what's happened. They don't prove what's happened just because you feel saved. There's a lot of people out there who have never been immersed as a believer, and they feel like they're saved, but they had not done what the Bible says to do to be saved. Your feelings are not reliable. Jacob felt like his son Joseph was dead, but Joseph is not dead. Our feelings are based upon information. And if that information is false, then our feelings will be false many times. The only thing that we can base our Christianity on, like, for example, are we saved or not? The only thing that's reliable is God's word. God's word is going to be right. Our feelings are not necessarily right. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. Next, let's read Ephesians 3, 3 and 4. It says, how that by revelation, he, that's talking about God, made known unto me, that's Paul, the mystery, as a road of four and few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, that tells us how, how uh, revelation works, how God revealed to us to everybody, his law. For example, his New Testament law. God in the Old Testament revealed to Old Testament prophets, in the New Testament to New Testament prophets. They wrote it down. That's what Ephesians says. That's what Paul says. So that when we read it, we can understand it. He doesn't reveal to everybody directly. Instead, he reveals through these representatives, prophets. They write it down and we're expected to read what they wrote, the Bible. And notice, he says, I wrote it down so that when you read it, you may understand it. You can understand the Bible by reading it, just like you can understand a letter from your mother by reading it. It's not written in code. You don't have to go down and 
to the local theological seminary and get the president there to interpret it for you. You just read and study the Bible and you can understand it. Yeah, there are parts that are harder than other parts. I happen to think the book of Revelation and the last six chapters in the book of Daniel are probably the hardest parts, but they're, most of the Bible, they say, is written on a sixth grade level. Whereby when you read, he wrote it down, whereby when we read it, we can understand it. Ephesians 3, 3 and 4. You're somebody in the pew, you don't have to be a preacher to understand the Bible. If the preacher or the priest is telling you the only way you're going to understand the Bible is by listening to me, then that's a warning flag. He shouldn't be telling you something like that. He should say, study the Bible for yourself because you can understand it. You don't need me. Matthew 21, 25, Jesus asked a question to some people there. He says, the baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or from men? I think we should ask this question about any religious belief or practice. You know, if it comes from heaven, that means it came from God. We'll find it in God's word. But if we can't find it in God's word, that means it must have come from man. We ought to ask that about any question. We mentioned a while ago, gay marriage. Is that from heaven or from man? Which one? Well, it's from man. Accepting gay marriage is from man because the Bible condemns homosexuality. For example, Romans 1, 26 and 27 reads this way. If you have your Bible, join with me in reading this. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which is meat. So this showing approval for gay marriages from men, it's not from God, it's not from heaven. We mentioned women preachers. We saw that was from men because 1 Corinthians 14 says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. You, we talked about what about baptizing babies? Well, what Philip tell the eunuch? The eunuch wanted to be baptized in Acts 8. What hinders me from being baptized? Verse 36. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Mayest what? Mayest be baptized. Which implies that if you don't believe, you may not be baptized. Which, of course, proves conclusively that infant baptism is unscriptural. But a whole lot of churches, Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Lutheran, practice infant baptism, even though the Bible says, if you believe, you may be baptized. They go ahead and baptize the unbelievers anyway. I don't think they're paying careful attention to God's word. What do you think? Sprinkling babies for baptism. Is that from heaven or from men? I think it's from man. What do you think? How do we decide something like that? Well, you look at the Bible. Remember, 2 Timothy 3 says the scripture is profitable for doctrine. So any of these things, we're trying to decide what's right. Turn to the Bible and find out what's right. Don't just accept what your preacher says. Don't take his word for it. Don't take my word for it. Read your own Bible and find out. That's God's word. That's what God wants you to do to find out what's right and wrong in Christianity. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give me a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. You can get on the air and state your question or comment. 877-655-6755. You know, one of the things that I try to emphasize on this program is obedience, that obedience is necessary to salvation. And why do I emphasize that on this program? Because 
is so de-emphasized in a lot of other pulpits. A lot of other preachers de-emphasize obedience. You know your preacher is de-emphasizing obedience if he says, all you have to do is believe in Jesus to be saved. Or all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to be saved. 99.9 times out of 100 there, what they're saying is you don't have to obey to be saved. You don't have to obey to be saved. But there are so many passages that say you do have to obey to be saved. For example, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Who's going to go to heaven according to that verse? The one that does the will of the Father. What about a person that believes in Jesus but doesn't do the will of the Father? This verse teaches he's not going to be saved even though he's a believer in Christ. So so you have to believe and you have to obey. Isn't that what we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8? It says, in flaming fire, that's about God, taking vengeance on them that know God, that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to avoid God's vengeance, flaming fire vengeance, to avoid the everlasting destruction that's talked about in verse 9, you have to do two things. You have to know God, believe in him confidently, and you have to obey the gospel. You see, it's not enough just to believe in God, even to believe in him in Him confidently with all your heart. You have to, that belief has to lead to obeying the gospel, according to 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8. You have to know God and you have to obey the gospel both. So most preachers, or a lot of preachers, I don't know about most, will say, we all you got to do is, got to believe. All you got to do is know God. No, that says you also have to obey the gospel. Obedience is absolutely necessary to salvation. Hebrews 5, for example, in talking about Jesus, verse 9 says, in being made perfect, he became the author or the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. One thing that proves beyond any shadow of a doubt is you have to obey Jesus to receive eternal salvation. Now, Jesus is the source of our salvation, according to that verse. Just the fact that we have to obey him to receive the salvation provided by the source doesn't make us the source. That's what a lot of people think. Well, if you've got to do anything to be saved, you're saving yourself. No, this passage teaches you have to obey Jesus to be saved, but it's not saving yourself. Jesus is the source of eternal salvation. It's the same way with belief. You don't earn your salvation by believing in Christ. That's just a condition you have to meet in order to be saved by the thing that does earn your salvation, the death, the blood of Christ. It's the same way with obedience. You don't earn your salvation by obeying God. That's not the grounds for your salvation. No, the death of Christ is the grounds. Obedience is just a, is just a condition, like faith, that you have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. But look at Hebrews 5, 9. Your preacher might say you don't have to obey Christ to be saved. That all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. This verse says that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So you do have to obey. Who are you going to believe? Your preacher or Jesus? In James 2, 24, it says, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. A lot of churches will say you're saved by faith only. As a matter of fact, the Methodist Creed book says justification by faith only is a most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. Most wholesome doctrine, very full of comfort. Justification by faith only. But James 2.24 says you're justified by works and not by faith only. 
is teaching the exact opposite. The Methodist Creed book is teaching the exact opposite of what the Bible says. You're not saved by faith only. It also takes works. Now, faith and works, they're not, again, they're not the grounds for your salvation. We're not saying you don't need the death of Christ. The death of Christ is the thing that earns your salvation. The faith and the works are just the conditions you have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. How about 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22? The first part of that verse says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. You purify your souls in obeying the truth. Now, Acts 15, 9 says you purify your hearts through faith. So there's no doubt faith is necessary to being purified from your sins. Acts 15, 9. But 1 Peter 1, 22 is saying you have to obey the truth to be purified from your sins. See, it takes both. It takes faith and it takes obeying the truth to be purified from your sins. Take all of what the Bible says, not just one verse. How about Revelation 22, verse 14? It says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Hmm. Sounds like you have to do his commandments in order to have access to the tree of life in the city of heaven, we might say. Now, I'm pretty sure that's talking about heaven. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had access to the tree of life. They could eat that, partake of that, live physically forever. In heaven, we'll have access to the tree of life. We'll be able to live spiritually forever. But who has the right to go there? According to Revelation 22, 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. Only if you do his commandments will you go to heaven. I mean, the Bible is crystal clear on this. Anybody teaching anything different than you have to obey Christ to be saved is just wishful thinking. They want it to be that way. Why? Because they want to be saved without obeying Christ. They want to live the way they want to live and still be saved. Well, that's what once saved, always saved is all about, wishful thinking. I want to live the way I want to live and still be saved. Bible will have none of that. No, you got to obey God to be saved. How about 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10? It reads this way. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we're talking about the judgment day. We're going to be judged based upon the things done in our body, meaning while we are alive, whether they were good or bad. Of course, we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we believe in Christ. John 3.16. But this says we're also going to be judged based upon the things that we did while we were alive. Whether those things that we did were good or bad. How could you how could you say it any clearer than that? I don't think you can. You have to obey Christ to be judged favorably at the judgment day to go to heaven. Jesus said in Luke 6.46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now, Lord doesn't necessarily mean God. It means boss. We have a boss at work. That means we do what he says. And Jesus is chiding these folks here. You're, you're calling me Lord, but you're not doing the things which I say. No. If you're going to call him Lord, you have to follow through and do the things that he says. You can't just call him Lord. you got to make him Lord. How about John 14, 15? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, that would imply if you're not keeping his commandments, you don't love Jesus. Your love is lacking if you're not keeping his commandments. I mean, I can show my wife Carol I love her by giving her a kiss, but I can't kiss God to show him I love him. He's not here. The way I show him, the way I demonstrate to God that I love him is by keeping his commandments. 
a sister passage. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. People talk a lot about having a relationship with Christ. You do have to have a relationship with Christ. And the way you are friends with Christ is if you do what he commands. Galatians 5, 6. Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Circumcision doesn't matter anymore. That was an Old Testament law. What does matter is faith which works by love. You have to have faith. That faith has to work, and it has to be motivated by love. You have to have all three of those elements, or you're out in the cold. Appreciate you listening to the program this evening. I want you to listen every week at this same time. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime at your convenience, morning, afternoon, or evening, I'm willing to do that free of charge. One-hour phone Bible study. I want you to give me a call or text me at 256 682 9753. If you want a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753.